welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughters' lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. As always, we bring you guests to help you to be able to learn more about being a dad yourself. And we bring dads from every walk of life. And today we've got another great dad and a dad and a daughter with us today. We are bringing you Greg and Natalie Schwem. And you're going to hear this today, but Greg is a humorist, a humor speaker. He he has a book out that we're going to talk about today. He's a Chicago Tribune humor columnist. And you know, this brings humor into parenting as well. So we're going to be talking about that. And then we'll talk to Natalie, too, and get her perspective on whether her dad is actually funny or not. So, Greg, Natalie, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks so much, Chris. It is my pleasure to have you both here. Really excited to talk with both of you to kind of get your perspectives on father and daughter relationships. And first and foremost, one of the things that I love to do is turn the clock back in time. So Greg, I want to have you turn that clock back in time to that first moment that you found out that you were going to be a dad with a daughter. What was going through your head? Well, I mean, as someone who's made their living in show business as a stand-up comedian, obviously it was daunting. I mean, my wife and I had been trying to have children for a couple of years. And when we realized it was happening, I, I think I had the same experience most dads have about, wow, this is it. We've talked about it and now it's actually happening. And maybe you discuss, you, you think about some of those things you didn't think about when you and your wife said, hey, it'd be really fun to have a child. Like, uh, how are we going to support this child on a comedian's salary? <laughs> but I don't think there were any thoughts that didn't go through the mind of a, of a normal parent. Now, one of the things I guess I want to ask you, because as a comedian, as a stand-up comedian, your schedule is not going to be always conducive to being the the dad at home at night because Correct. you may be out in the club or, you mm-hmm. know, or on the circuit or doing different things. So let's talk about balance because... You know, you've got kids now that are grown. Yes. And how did you find that you had to balance not only your professional life, but your personal life? Well, I guess the one thing is that my kids have only known me to do this. They, they've never known anything different. It's not like when they were 10 and 5, I quit my job and said, Dad's going to be a stand-up comedian now. And that means he's going to leave home and he's going to be working on Saturday nights at, at midnight, that kind of thing. This is the only thing they've ever known. So I had an advantage there. And my kids always grew up just knowing that there were times that dad would maybe not be there for birthdays or special moments, or we might have to celebrate them either earlier or later as a result of my travel schedule. However, I've always balanced that. I think that because of what I do, my my kids have had access and they've had a lot of experiences and a lot of opportunities that maybe a dad with a quote unquote normal job wouldn't have, whether that's traveling to places. I do a lot of corporate events, as you alluded to in your uh, uh, intro of me, for big companies, which are in very nice places. So my kids have been to Hawaii. My kids have been to Disney World, probably more than it should be legal, I think because I've done so many shows in Orlando. So there is a balance there, but I think they've been able to take advantage of some of the benefits that my job has afforded me. So Natalie, that leads me to going back to you. So you you just heard your dad talking about the fact that his job has opened up some opportunities for you as you grew up and grew into who you are today. So talk to me about what it was like 
growing up with a father that is a stand-up comedian? Yeah. So like he said, it really isn't a typical like nine to five Monday through Friday job. And my sister and I were involved in a lot growing up, whether it was sports or, you know, going to having different birthday parties or anything like that. And it seemed like he was able to be there for a lot of those things that I feel like some dads wouldn't be able to because of a typical nine to five schedule. But then there were some other things like on weekends and, and such when he would be traveling that he that he would miss. So, I mean, I think he was around for a lot of the things that my sister and I were involved in, but it was still really cool seeing him being able to travel to, you know, like he said, Hawaii and these other places that a lot of other dads don't normally do. If I could also add, Chris, you know, the, one of the great things about doing corporate events, you have a much more normal schedule. I rarely, when my kids were growing up and still to this day, I don't work weekends that much. And that's not something you think about when you think of the life of a, of a comedian. You think it's always nights and weekends. But one of the reasons that I gravitated to doing corporate events and stayed in that genre was that typically corporate events take place during the week. A lot of times I'm doing shows at 9 a.m. Um, sometimes I'm doing shows at, at lunchtime. And that also afforded me the opportunities to rush home, sometimes very quickly, to coach their softball games and things like that. And, and I did do some of that, a lot of that, when they were growing up. So it wasn't like I was always gone when they had the time. So both of you talked about mem memories and memorable experiences are definitely something that live in our lives and are definitely something that we try to instill in raising our kids. So I guess, Natalie, for you, tell me about what would you say has been the most memorable experience that you've shared with your dad? And then I'm going to turn it right back over, Greg, to you. Sure. So I know my dad had just men just mentioned that he was my coach for some things like my softball team. He coached me and my friends for a few years, actually, when I was younger. So that was pretty cool being able to have my dad at every single practice and actually coaching my friends and I. And then another thing that was memorable for me was when I graduated college, he was able to be there for that whole weekend. And like when parents weekend came around, he was always able to be there. And that's really something that I won't ever forget because the four years when I was an undergrad were some of the best years of my life. And so the fact that he was able to be there for a lot of the special moments was really important to me. What about you, Greg? Well, you know, one of the things about having kids is it really puts your job in perspective. I mean, as someone who makes their living trying to get people to laugh at you, <laughs> that's a job that comes with a lot of heartbreaks and a lot of disappointments. And, you know, show business is like that. And I always felt like if I had a bad show or something like that, or the audience didn't uh, respond the way I, I wanted them to, I could always just look at my kids and all of a sudden yeah, they'd laugh at me. I, I do remember one moment where I was actually auditioning for the David Letterman show and I was on my way to New York and I had a show and I was I had a layover in Chicago, which is where I'm based. And the layover was, and then I was on my way to New York to do that audition. And my youngest one wasn't even born yet, but my oldest one, Natalie, was probably about four. And my uh, wife met me at the gate. This is when you could still do that. And I got off the plane in Chicago and my wife was standing there and my daughter was standing there with a rose and, and a sign that said, good luck, dad. And that was very cool. Now, did I get the Letterman show? No, I didn't. But to me, just seeing that sign and her with that flower made the disappointment of not getting chosen. It made it a lot easier to swallow. That's an amazing story. Now, 
One of the things that I hear from dads all the time is mm -hmm. that sometimes, especially when you have daughters going into it, there's some trepidation, there's some fear that goes into raising daughters in society today. What would you say is your biggest or was your biggest fear in raising daughters? Oh, well, I, I just think the fact that they're girls. There's just certain things that moms do better than dads when it comes to raising girls. Just like if I had boys, there would be certain things where I would say to my wife, uh, I got this one. So I, I can't, I don't know if I can put a finger on, you know, other than, you know, real personal types of mother-daughter conversations. I grew up with a sister and the, I guess what made it a little bit easier is I, I grew up having a sister and my sister had kids first and she had three girls. So really I've always been around girls. I, I've never, I don't even, I think if I had a son, I don't, I'm not sure I would know what to do <laughs> at this point. So I don't know if there was fear. I, I'll tell you one thing though, when we had Natalie and we had another one, we, my wife realized when we found out she was pregnant again, I wanted another girl. I think a lot of dads would say, well, let's, let's go for a boy this time. I always wanted another girl and that's what we got. So tell me about that. What was it about having another girl that made you say that and made you feel fulfilled by having a second daughter in your life? Oh, because I could correct all the mistakes that I made with the first one. <laughs> about that? No, I just always saw Natalie with a sister, I guess. I, I can't really put a finger on that, but I just always saw her having a sister to kind of mother and that kind of thing. And even though my girls are five years apart, I think they will be the first ones to agree that that is kind of what happened. They are closer, wouldn't you say, Natalie? Absolutely. Incredibly yeah. close for a, an age span of five years. And that's always what I hoped would happen. Well, you've got to give us some advice because that doesn't always happen. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, I stayed out of the way most of the time was my advice. I just think we always kind of let them have freedom and form their own relationship. I don't think I ever intervened and said, this is the way you have to treat your sister and so forth. We just were very content, both my wife and I, to just kind of sit back and let them form a bond and they've done it. And it's, it, you can still see it to this day. My second one, we just sent her off to college and she's a division one athlete and she's playing and Natalie is her biggest cheerleader and always has been. And I know that what Natalie does, my other one, Amy, is right there cheering her on. And I think a lot of times, again, they're five years apart. And I think sometimes the sisters don't have that bond just because of the age. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. Yeah. And I feel like as we get older that it obviously the age gap does stay at five years, but it almost seems like it gets more narrow as we get older. And I feel like that's kind of what's happened over the years. We've just gotten closer and closer as we both gotten older and she's become my best friend. Then for every other dad that is out there that may not have that same experience, there's hope. There's hope. There's always hope. Yeah. Now, if you want to email me, I'm not sure I could say, oh, well, here's what you do. You know, it's like parenting books. I never thought there was a right answer to any kind of a parenting question, even though I'm sure there's an awful lot of dads, moms too, probably, that are desperately seeking solutions for something. But parenting, you make it up as you go along. And what works for one does not work for the other. I feel like it's worked for us. Obviously, there's been some mistakes and some stumbles along the way. But show me a family that says, well, we've never, two parents or a dad who said, I've never made a mistake. And I will show you a dad that is lying. So Natalie, hearing your dad say that, that parents are making it up as they go along. Give me an example. When's the time that your dad made it up and you knew it? And when was that time that you finally realized it for yourself? We had a daddy-daughter trip to New York. I wouldn't. I would say we made that up as we went along. Don't you? We didn't really have a game plan. I've always liked doing that, Chris. I've always liked sort of those spontaneous trips where we uh, we didn't really have a plan. We just 
get it and whatever comes up comes up and and those are some of my favorite memories is the trips that we've taken together now greg what would you say as you look at raising your daughters and it could be even where they're at now but what what's been the hardest part raising daughters maybe not understanding the female mind maybe sometimes realizing maybe i'm pushing too hard and need to back off you kind of learn one thing i learned is when i coach when when you coach. If your kids play sports, I think every parent should at least try and coach at some level. I think that's a great way to learn about how boys are different than girls. And I learned an awful lot doing that. And I learned kind of how girls respond to criticism versus boys, how girls respond to adversity, maybe different than boys, how they bond together, how they Sometimes, I mean, there's obviously definitely a difference. Again, another reason I wanted to have a, a, a sister for her is I felt like, okay, now I kind of, rather than having to start over and figure out how boys are, it's like, okay, I've seen how girls are. Now I can kind of take that and use it for the second one. Back a little bit of time ago, I said that you you wrote a book and yeah. the book is called Text Me If You're Breathing, Observations, Frustrations, and Life Lessons from a Low-Tech Dad. So tell me about this book and what was the background or the genesis of this book and why did you decide you wanted to write it? Well, I saw my kids being introduced to technology at a very young age. And they were being introduced. All of a sudden, it became like, I think, Natalie, I think you were probably, when Natalie entered middle school, so what, 11, you're 11 years old. And all of a sudden, it, it, it didn't become, should I get my child a cell phone? It was almost like it was expected. We would get calls. We would call her school and say, what time is the dance over and what time should we pick up our daughter? And they'd say, well, she'll just text you when it's over. And we'd say, but she doesn't have a phone. And they would act like that was just the weirdest thing in the world. So the more my kids were being exposed to technology, the more I realized I was going to have to figure this stuff out. Talk about making it up on the fly, Chris. And just, you know, as you go along, all of a sudden, you know, your child is being exposed to things like Facebook and to social media. And this still goes on to this day. And I wanted to, I was starting to write a lot of material about these different situations and scenarios that I was being thrust into. And that's when I thought there's a book here because a lot of what I was thinking, I couldn't really say on stage just because it was taking too long. So I thought if I could write all this out in long form, I could, um, there's a book and that's why, I, and, and text me if you're breathing. I think I just, I think that was just an offhand comment I made to Natalie once because she was like most kids just staring at her phone when I was trying to talk to her one time. And I just said, I think I just said, well, you know, just text me if you're breathing, you know, you're up in your room. So that's how the book came out. And once I started writing it, it kind of wrote itself. So I'm sure that there's a lot in this book that really draws from your everyday experience. So, and Natalie, you probably gave fodder to some of this, this, this book as well. As you read it or as you looked at it yourself, what were your thoughts on what your dad was sharing? I mean, well, first of all, I'm on the front cover of it, which is great. So I really is enjoyed it? that. Yes. So I made an appearance there. But no, I think he's right about a lot of the things, obviously, that he wrote about. And it's kind of becoming even more accurate today as technology advances and everything. I think people, especially younger people, are really just relying on their phones a lot. And it seems like the age where people get cell phones and computers and like that is becoming younger and younger every day now. So 
which I think is helpful and kind of hurtful. So I just think he did a good job with everything that he wrote and it's becoming even more true as years go on. Really, Chris, you know, the technology thing, there's chapters in the book that were based on incidents that took place long before purchasing a cell phone. That was like chapter five. When I really started to think about it was when Natalie was, I think, three, maybe four, and we went to buy her a swing set. Remember this? We went into it and, and we didn't just go to, you know, an outdoor place where they had swing sets laying around. I mean, this was a swing set showroom. And we started hearing the swing set salesperson started telling us about why we should purchase a particular swing set. And it was all because of the technology that had been and all the technological advancements that this company had implemented for swing sets. And I just remember, you know, the swing set I had as a kid was was like two multicolored poles that your dad and a couple of his buddies stuck in the ground while they were splitting a 12 pack and you put up swings together and then the kid would start swinging and the, the whole swing set would go up and down out of the ground because it wasn't really anchored. And you and the dads would go that, yeah, works for me. They're having fun on it. And it's not like that anymore. And next thing you know, we were, we were being pitched a swing set that cost like $5,000 and the swing set salesperson kept saying, yeah, but it's incredibly safe. And here's why there's these recessed bolts and there's this and there's this, and there's all these technological advancements that have been made in swings sets. And I, I walked out of there and I just couldn't help laugh at what we had just been through. And we ended up, we didn't buy the $5,000 model, mind you, but we did buy the incredibly safe, technologically advanced swing set. Walking out of there, I'm sure you had some, some pieces that you could draw in for your comedy act. Oh, absolutely. You know, there was that, there was, and, and you could go back before that. I mean, parents who are, you know, if you're thinking of having a baby right now, or maybe you, you know, you have to get all the things like the, like the stroller and the car seat and, and just wait until you go in there and you realize how technology has taken over a stroller, just a place to plop your kid with wheels on it so you can push him or her down the street and get him to fall asleep, get the, the baby to fall asleep. You have no idea, new parents, what you're in for with this. So, Natalie, now we have to really get at, at humor here because I, I guess one of the things that I want to know is being that as you grew up, I mean, as your dad said, you grew up knowing your dad as a comedian. That was what he was, what he is today. But a comedian takes real life and shares it out with the world. And being someone that grew up in that type of atmosphere, how did that feel to you to know that the things that you said or did could end up in part of your dad's routine? You know, I'm sure a lot of the things that I've said have ended up in his acts, <laughs> which is fine. You know, I understand that's part of his job and that's what he's good at. But I think growing up, I mean, when I was younger, I don't think I fully understood exactly everything that came with the job and everything that he did. Like when people would ask me, you know, what my parents do, I would always just say, oh, well, my dad makes people laugh. But I feel like I didn't really fully understand the extent to everything that goes beyond it until I grew older and I realized that, why he's been so successful is because of the way that he tailors his material to different audiences and they think that it's absolutely hilarious. And so I think as I've grown older, I've more more so understood exactly what he does and what everything that goes into it and stuff. And like you said, he is still a dad and he still does crack dad jokes and everything, you know, just like everybody else. And also, again, like I mentioned, I'm sure a lot of the things my sister and I have said or even maybe my friends have gone into 
his acts. And so, you know, which makes sense. That's what he does. And he's good at it. So but I think I mean, growing up, and I still think it's really cool what he does. So because it's different, you know, and a lot of times, like when I would tell my friends what he does, they like wouldn't believe me and they would have to go and Google him and see that he's actually <laughs> written a book and that he's actually done shows. And I mean, you'd be surprised at how often that would happen. So I do think it's pretty cool. That still happens for me too, Chris. Yeah. I mean, you never, that never goes away. You know, what do you do? Oh, I'm a comedian. No, really, what do you do? I, <laughs> I've been doing this for 32 years and I still get that. So then with kids at home, your mm-hmm. daughter saying, telling her friends, yeah, he's a comedian. How much as a comedian, as a dad, then were you put on the spot to have to be that performer in front of your daughter's friends? You know, it's that's interesting. I, I think I was put on more, the spot more by their parents because as Natalie said, you know, at a certain age when they're growing up, they don't quite get it. You know, kids that are six, seven, eight, they don't really understand the full extent of what a comedian is. Sure, they see comedians on TV, but I don't I don't think it, 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 it that's always other people. That's not the guy that's making pancakes for them and sleepovers and so forth. So I remember one of my other daughter's friends one time, and she was probably seven, and they were over and she goes, Miss So, Mr. Schwem, you done any shows lately? <laughs> and and I said, No, Morgan, I, I actually have been off for the past week, but I will certainly let you know when I'm going out to do another show. It is kind of it is a job that is sort of people don't really know what to make of that. And I think, and as I said, I think that's always been the case for me. But it is the kind of job where there's no other dads. I don't think you have any other dads, any other friends whose dads do this. No, I do not. <laughs> you know, it's a one-of-a-kind job. But once they get a little bit older and they do realize that, then it is kind of cool to talk about because I've had conversations with some of my kids' friends about what comedians they listen to and why they like them and who they didn't like and why. And, and I'm very uh, in tune with that. I still, to this day... We'll ask kids of all different ages, probably starting at about 15, I would say, who do you like to listen to and why? Because eventually those kids are going to be in my audience and I'm going to have to, as Natalie said, I like to tailor my, I like to tailor my show, but I'm, it, it's always important to know what others find funny. That's, that's something that I'm striving to answer. There's no real answer for that, but it helps to kind of have some hints. Other people that I know that do comedy, I mean, you have to look at life with a certain pair of glasses on. Mm-hmm. And as a parent and as a father, I'm sure you had to do that as well. Sure. So talking to other dads, what would you say to them in regards to bringing humor, keeping things light as it comes to fatherhood? Well, I think humor is just so vital in anything. Humor can diffuse a tense situation. Humor can bo- humor can bond. Humor can help you bond with your kids. I mean, to me, there's nothing like seeing your kids laugh at something you say or have done and where it's really genuine. I mean, I just remember the first time I made both of my kids like belly laugh. I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but just the fact that I was doing something that was causing them, uh, that was eliciting uh, this kind of a reaction out of them was so cool. I mean, I don't think, I don't think you shouldn't be the silly dad all the time. I mean, I don't think your whole life should be spent, your all of parenthood be, should be spent trying to be a goofball or that kind of thing. And to be honest, Chris, it bothers me sometimes, especially when you see on commercials where the dad's always portrayed as like the doofus who doesn't know how to do the most basic stuff. 
who doesn't know how to change the diaper or dad doesn't know how to make a sandwich. Dads know how to do things like that. And I, I don't I sometimes don't like the way that dads are portrayed as sort of the lovable oaf type of thing while mom has all the answers. That's not true. And most dads will tell you that. There's a lot of dad, there's a lot of single dads, there's a lot of stay-at-home dads that are raising their kids and doing all of those chores and those tasks while mom goes off to work. So that's another topic, but that's something that's always bothered me a little bit is seeing how dads are portrayed. I think that's going away a little bit, but you still see it like in Super Bowl ads and things like that. But getting back to your original question, I do believe that humor is vital. And it shouldn't be forced. It should just come naturally. It shouldn't be, okay, dad's going to be a goofball for the next 10 minutes because my daughter is upset with me. So I think you have to lay ground rules and you have to be serious and you have to be a disciplinarian when it's called for. But you can't only be that. You want your kids to know that you have a personality, too. And I think humor is a big part of that. Completely understand. Now, I always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five more questions Ah. to delve deeper into you as a dad. But, Natalie, you're not off the hook yet. So I'm going (laughs) to ask you both these questions. So the first question I'm going to ask Natalie first so so that your dad can't cheat. So, Natalie, in one word, what is fatherhood? Supportive. And Greg? listening. Now, Greg, when was a time that you finally felt that you succeeded at being a father to a daughter? I have never felt that. I think that question, Chris, kind of implies that there's an end to it. And I don't think is it, and I I will say this as a husband too, I don't think you ever say, I did it. I could say, well, I succeeded because I put both my kids through college or they're supportive or they're on their own. I don't think you ever stop being a parent or a dad. So I don't think I've reached that point and I don't think I ever will. But I'm kind of glad that that's my answer because if I had an answer to that, it would sort of imply I'm done. And once you decide to become a parent, you're never done. Now, Natalie, I'm going to ask you that same question and see if you have an answer in regards to a time that your dad succeeded at being your dad. When, when was that time? Yeah, I mean, I do agree with him. Like he said, like, for example, one of my biggest accomplishments was graduating college. And like for my sister was graduating high school. And my dad and my mom were both, you know, very proud of us after that. But like he said, that doesn't necessarily mean you succeed. I mean, there's going to be other hardships that you go through down the road, such as my sister and I losing a job or losing a friend or something like that, where, I mean, I'm not a parent, but as a parent, it seems as though it's their responsibility to help your child through something like that and through something, you know, through emotions that aren't necessarily happy. And so, yeah, like my dad said, I guess it's, again, I'm not a parent, but like he said, I guess it's, it's really never ending and there may not be an end point to where you know if you succeeded or not. Now, Natalie, this one's for you. How would you describe your dad? Like I said, the word I use supportive, I I said that is because he's really always been there for my sister and I through hardships and through the good things that we've gone through. But he's also been very focused on what he does and his career. And again, I mentioned that he's been very successful. And I think that that's why, because he does have a really good balance of being focused on his career, but also focusing a lot on being a dad. And so that's really how I would describe him. And I guess just being motivated, both, like I said, in the sense of his career and being motivated to be a good dad to my sister and I. Now, Greg, who inspires you to be a better dad? Probably my own dad. I feel like I take a lot of my parenting cues from him. I think I got my sense of humor from him. I don't think I got it from my mom as much. Uh, (laughs) 
period. Or, or, or at all. Uh, <laughs> but I would look at my dad. I mean, there's a lot of parents out there, I think, that would have the exact opposite answer of that, that would say, I'm not going to do what my dad did. That's the furthest. I want to be the exact opposite of what he was. Ugh, I, I I feel for those dads a little bit. But I, I also, it's like, if you really thought you had a bad experience growing up because of your parents or because of your dad, then I mean, more power to you for wanting to correct what you think was the wrong way to go about it. But I've always looked at my dad and said, he's no longer with us. My dad traveled a lot too. He had a great sense of humor. He tried to be there whenever he could for us. He, he missed things at times because of his job. And I feel like I've just always taken a lot of my cues from him. And finally, for both of you, and I'm going to start with Natalie on this, and then we'll go back to Greg. We've heard a lot of different pieces of advice today. You both have, have said some really poignant things that I think anybody can take and use and try to turn into something that they can use within their own home. But in leaving today, what advice do you want to give to other dads? I would just say to keep a close relationship with your family. I think that that's really important and not to really lose sight of that and to make sure that everyone in the family is kind of supporting each other. And yeah, I guess that would be probably my biggest advice for any other dads. And as for me, I guess I would say there, and I touched on this earlier, there's no playbook. There's no right answer as a dad, but be willing when your daughter thinks you've made the wrong choice or come up with the wrong answer, be willing to, to talk it out and see if maybe there's a better way and just respect one another, respect the fact that you can talk it out and that you're willing to compromise and also to learn from your mistakes. Well, I just want to say thank you to both of you, Greg, Natalie, for being here today. It has been my pleasure having both of you on, talking to you about your own journey together, talking about how we can make it a little bit lighter as we go through this parenting journey, this fatherhood journey that we're all on. Now, Greg, if people want to find out more about you, where's the best place they can go? I would say my website, and that's Greg Schwem, G-R-E-G-S-C-H-W-E-M.com. And that's where you can see what I do for a living. You can see lots of videos of my work. You could There's links to both the books that I've written. And uh, yeah, I would say that's that's definitely the best place. And I would love to come and make your organization laugh or your church group or your whatever, because I've been doing this for 32 years and I don't plan to stop. Well, again, thank you so much for being here and I wish you all the best. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat. And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals 